I've never felt that I was qualified to pastor. I always felt that God was big enough to allow it to happen. I always approached this with fear and trembling. I always approached it as what I'm going to share with you tonight, I believe is one of the very secrets of surviving a lifelong ministry without messing up. You've seen guys get into ministry, they, they, God blesses them, and they mess up. You've seen, in fact, some of you have personally been involved with your own pastors struggling and messing up. We've had it here. Um, there are not too many churches that are exempt from it. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's maybe one of the hardest things in the ministry to see somebody that's in leadership that God has raised up, ordained, called, sealed to backslide as the very thing that they're preaching on to other people. In fact, oftentimes sin in the very things that they preach on to the other folks, saying don't do this. So I, I with that on my mind, uh, I, I looked at this subject tonight, and I want to share with you, not something I haven't shared in years past, because I try to share this, this thought uh, and this the truth uh, clearly uh, with you. I think it is, an, in fact, the uh, just I wrote down here, how to stay little in your own eyes. How to stay little in your own eyes. A lot of times people mispronounce my name. When I go to a restaurant, I never give my last name. I used to. But they would, they would in front of a big crowd of people like this, they'd say, little, little, little. And I'd be like, nobody likes to be called little. I mean, this goes against the whole nature of things, right? I mean, I just don't like it. So now I give my first name, Bill. That's better. Bill? Oh, okay, that's me. And uh, I've had people apologize to me and do all kinds of stuff, but my name is, is a strange name, Lytel, L-Y-T-E-L-L. -L. could be Lytle, I suppose. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, I think God has been telling me something ever since. Israel for centuries. Let me go historically a little bit, do a little Bible study, and then do an application here. Israel for centuries had no king, uh, but consulted with God's prophets and God's priests uh, to get direction and organization. It was called a theocracy. Big word, theocracy. Simply meaning God leading. And they did pretty well under them. I mean, you know, I'll be honest with you, Israel didn't do too well under anybody. I mean, you read the Old Testament, it's just, it, it's, it's a uh, testimony of failure. And I mean, there was a moments of crescendo. But boy, it was always seemed to be followed by about 40 years of failure. And, and we have 40 years of, of growth and success. And there's something about that number 40. 40 years of, of, uh, of growth, 40 years of trouble. Uh, through, of course, the period of the judges, uh, 13 cycles of that. At the end of that book of the judges, you have a man raised up, a uh, little Samuel. Little Samuel. God directly, directly spoke to Samuel as a young man. He went to Eli. Eli says, just answer him. He did. And God began to raise up this, this man called Samuel. You know, there's, as far as I know, you correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think there's anything negatively said in the Bible about Samuel. I don't think there's anything negatively said about Joseph. I don't think there's anything negatively said about Daniel. But there aren't many. There aren't many out of all the people in the Bible. Most of the time, the Bible is ruthlessly honest 
with who you are and what you are and the struggles you have. And so we, those men are something, something else, something else. And I, I think it can help you. I'll just get, throw this out there. Uh, it's not a bad thing to pray. Let me have a life like Daniel had. Let me have a purity of heart like Samuel had. You know, uh, uh, There's nothing wrong with, with these men who, who God did not say anything. doesn't mean they didn't have trouble. doesn't mean they didn't have some failures in their life. But wow, nothing was brought up real specifically uh, in their lives. And I've just prayed years and years and years, oh, Lord, please let me, please let me have a life like these men. I believe we receive not because we ask not. Those are some people. Some. Why do I say all that? Because people come to me and say, "Preacher, I don't know how to pray." Well, here's how to pray. I'm just giving you a tip. Pray the Bible. Pray the Bible. Lord, give me a heart like David. Give me a heart so I can be called a man after God's own heart. Give me a heart like uh, Abraham so I can be called a friend of God. I mean, you know, give me a heart like Samuel, so nothing or Daniel or, or Joseph. Uh, wow, that's a good praying now. That's good praying. I think it pleases God. Now, you parents out there tonight, that'd be like your kid coming up and saying, uh, uh, Mom, Dad, I want to be I want to be obedient. you say, oh, you wouldn't chew a kid out for asking about that, would you? You'd pass out, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't chew a kid out for ever saying that. I mean, it'd be thrilling to have your kid come up and say, I want to be a blessing to you, mom and dad. I want to be obedient to what you say. I want to clean my room. <laughs> Samuel been raised by Eli, given given to God by his mama, and uh, God used him. Eli, however, his sons were horrible, horrible. Two boys that were just wicked and vile, and God eventually killed them. Uh, but there was never a greater priest than the man uh, Samuel, no, no, one bad thing is said, boy. Uh, but Samuel was chosen of God to anoint the first king of Israel. Uh, finally, Israel came to the place and said, you know, we don't want to go to the priest and ask uh, what God's will is on this or what God's will is on that. We want to be like the other nations. And now you know that hurt God's feelings. God had set up a special relationship with Israel. He was their God. He was their God. He was their king. He was their leader. He was their president. And the people would go to the priest. Priests would go to God. God would give the answer and come back to the people. And they had a set of judges up there. It was, it, was, it was a workable thing, of course. And when God does something, you know it's good. But the people said, we don't like that. We want to be like the world. Boy, I'll tell you, that's a downfall. Any people of God that says we want to be like the world. The world passed away the lusts thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. But they said, we want to be like the world. So, you know, God said, by the way, Samuel fought that. He didn't want to do it. But, but God said, no, you, will, you listen to him, and I'll send you to a guy, and I want you to anoint them, a king, over them. Now, now I want you to sternly warn them uh, what that's going to cost them. People are always interested in cost, amen? He said, it's going to cost you. He's going to take the best of your land. National parks. He's going to take the first fruits of your money, federal taxes, sales taxes, gas taxes. All What do we pay? 35, 36, 38, 40? Well, you add all the taxes together, we probably pay 50% of your income to the government in some way, shape, or form. But that's the cost of having a military. That's the cost of having a government. And he says, now I want you to warm. Right now, with me as your leader, God said, it doesn't cost you anything. 
Because you tithe 10%. But now when you want a, a human king, oh, he's going to take the best of your men. He's going to take the, the strongest of your young men. He's going to take them and use them for his service. He's going to take the best looking girls and use them for his service. And so uh, they said, yeah, we know, but we want to do it anyway. Well, Saul was anointed. And by the way, don't be too hard on Saul. Don't be too hard. Be careful about being too hard on Saul. Also be careful being too hard on Thomas. Two people in the Bible have talked really bad about by people is Saul and Thomas. Now, I'm not approving of what Saul did, but God, in his wisdom, chose him. That's big, amen? All I can say, he made the book, did you? And uh, in, in 1 Samuel 15, 3, it says, he tells Saul, he says one of his first things, now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. But this is in 1 Samuel 15, 3. But slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Pretty plain, right? I mean, specific. Kill everything that basically has breath. Don't spare anything. Saul obeyed. And gathered the people together to do that. Uh, but when he when he went and did it, he spared Agag. Uh, recorded in First uh, Samuel fifteen eight says, and he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But, but Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep and the if I may say it this way, the best of the ox and the best of the fatlings, the best of the lambs, and all that was good, and that would include lots of things, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile, of course, and refuse, they destroyed utterly. This grieved the God that chose Saul. In verse 11 it says, It repented me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me. And hath not per performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. What a tender-spirited soul. Samuel, in spite of Saul's direct disobedience, in spite of taking God's words and changing them, Samuel still was grieved and stayed up all night and interceded for Saul. He loved Saul. So that shows you there was something about the man. Nobody knows the heartache of the man of God over the failures of God's people. Nobody knows the tears shed in private for the loss of eternal blessings that he sees happen in the lives of those folks. If anything would take a man, a man the call of God, to pastor out of the ministry, it will be the failures of God's people. Maybe the hardest thing I've had to burden and bear and, and carry in my life is the failure of God's people. It is one of the heaviest loads. It's what Paul, I believe, calls the care of the church. The care of the church. Uh, Saul had no clue how sensitive God was to, to absolute obedience and how easily God's blessings and call could be taken away. And lost. Uh, I think somehow Saul felt that no matter what he did, God would accept it. We got a generation of people today in Christianity that believes whatever they do is fine. No rules, man. God will accept me. It's okay. I don't think you know the God of the Bible. 
How many Christians today go around thinking they're performing the commandments of the Lord all the while God is very upset with their disobediences and presumptions? Uh, there are services in the name of Jesus going on all over the country, maybe the world tonight, that are grieving the Holy Spirit. A service in the name of Jesus by Christian that is grieving the Holy Spirit of God because of the worldliness of the service because of the disobedience and direct violation of the service uh, according to the Word of God. And it grieves the soul, committing the same kind of sin that Saul committed. Well, Samuel uh, reveals to Saul when he has to break the news to him about God's decision, uh, he reveals uh, Saul's source of greatness. That's found in, in 1 Samuel 15, 17. And I want you to turn to that. If you haven't turned to anything tonight, please turn to 1 Samuel 15, 17. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. God's ways are not our ways. Man says, promote yourself, succeed by your own energy and cunning, cunning. This may work in the world, but it will be with God a complete failure in the end. In 1 Samuel, I want to look back a little bit here on Saul and looking back when there was an anointing in Samuel 9.21. And Saul answered and said, I, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? My family is the least of all the families of the tribes of Benjamin. Wherefore thou speakest? Why speak, wherefore then speakest thou so to me? So when, when Samuel had gone to Saul and said, you're, you're, you're anointing him king, Samuel, Saul's reaction was, what, me? And I, I said, Nick here tonight, this is for you, Nick. He came from a runt tribe, a runt family, and a runt nation. I want you to put that in the Bible, write that down, would you please? How many times I repeat that in my lifetime. But I'm telling you. It's a good sermon right there. Runt tribe, runt nation, runt, a runt family, runt nation. Um, the key to the whole story about Saul is he was promoted by God because he did not, he, he, he looked at himself as little in his own eyes. You and I get in trouble with God when we exhibit pride because the Bible says God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. That's just what he did here. Saul was humble. He says, man, uh, you're choosing me. I'm from a runt tribe. I'm from a runt nation. I'm from, I'm from a runt family. What in the world? He, had, he did not say he had talent. He didn't have, a, he didn't have the right birthplace. He didn't have excellence of speech. He didn't have the looks, the wealth, the intelligence, the family background. Um, and, and so he just felt little in his own eyes. That is a secret to having God use you. When you think you're something, you're nothing. When you think God's something, then God will use you, and he'll, he'll raise you up. That We would think we were little in our own eyes before God. Um, 1992, when the men came to me and asked me to consider being a pastor, man, I was humbled. Beyond belief, I said, I wrestled with the Lord, wrestled with it. 
still still wrestle with him some. God, it's just, you know, I'm not up to this. I felt after a year, I had probably would preach everything I knew and maybe things I didn't even know. I'm just winging it. But uh, uh, God just kept giving. God kept coming. I kept going to God and saying, well, this is it. This week's it. This is, I don't have any more after this week. And he'd give me some more. And Brother Tom, you know what I'm talking about. Anybody that's been a pastor uh, that loves the Lord knows that it's just a, de- it's, it's a God-dependent thing. And you, you, you go to him and say, I just really can't do this. God loves to hear that. I can't do this. He loves that. For when I'm weak, then he is strong, and the power of God then can manifest itself through my infirmities. That's God's way. When you say, when you get asked to teach a Sunday school class where God comes by and knocks on your door and asks you to do some ministry, the first thing out of your mouth most of the time if you're a humble person is, I can't do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Sandy, up here playing. It's scary to play that thing. It's scary to play this thing in front of a bunch of people. Uh, uh, if it wasn't that we're so sweet and non-critical. But I mean, you know, I mean, to do anything for God, you, you, you have to risk yourself uh, and ultimately die to your pride, your reputation, and just get up here and do what, or not just here, but just whatever God asks you to do. Just say, I'll do it. If you want me to do it, I'll do it. Why? Because you want me to do it. But it's not going to be me. I remember going door to door, uh, hands shaking, sweating. I remember, in fact, everything I've ever done for God. Preaching, they asked me when I was about to go preach in the street. You guys maybe did that back in the Stone Age. Uh, I mean, uh, back, back, I mean, we preached on the street, brother. And I mean, I felt what I was going on. But I preached. I told God, I'm never going to do it again. If you don't do something. Uh, when I went in Seneca, South Carolina, preached on the square there. And uh, I said, Lord, I'll, I'll never do this again, but I will do it today. Uh, I preached 10 minutes. And a young man, 21, 22 years old, humbled by God, got saved. I mean, just wept when he asked Jesus to save him. And it was just God confirming with me, uh, you do what I ask you to do, I'll take care of the rest. I'll take care of the rest. It's got to be him. Another example of what I, what I mentioned here is David. Maybe more, much more familiar to you. But David uh, purposes to build a house uh, for God, a temple for God. He came to Nathan, his prophet. And in answer to David's desire to build the temple, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, and I'll be in that area plowing a little bit, verse 8, 9. Let me read. Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Oh, if I may say this, to be called a servant by God. What a, what a, what a high, high thing. I took thee from the sheep coat and from following the sheep. To be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, uh, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. And even 2017, we're still talking about David. He made the book, Forever Settled in Heaven. Wow. Because David did not think himself to, remember, God's reminding David, where'd you come from? You came from out there, a nobody, when, when uh, 
when, when Samuel came to anoint you, uh, he looked at all the, your other brothers and said, yeah, yeah, that one looks like a king. Yeah, yeah, that one's got the posture of a king, got the walk of a king, got the look of a king. All, no, 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 no. Don't you have another son, Jesse? And I said, yeah, there's one out there taking care of the sheep. You know, come on, him? Call him in. We're not going anywhere Do you call him in. And he calls him in. He said, this is, God says, this is it. This is the man. This is the man. And he anointed him. Wow. Oh, what a far cry from the bold, arrogant, daring king that was looking down on a very beautiful woman bathing in the twilight just a few years later. What a far cry. Listen to Nathan to describe God's heart after David presumptuously, arrogantly took another man's wife and committed adultery. In verse uh, chapter 12, verse 7, And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. It's reminding him again of the past. In verse 8 there, I gave thee thy master's house, that was Saul, and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and I gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given thee such and such things. Wherefore, hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword, and taken his wife to be thy wife, and slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Thou therefore, the sword shall never depart from thy house, because thou hast despised me. Does that not sound familiar? That was the same condemnation that was given to Saul. You despised me. When you become presumptuous on God and do it your way, you are despising God's word. And that's exactly what happens. That's the evolution of it. Is pretty soon God raises you up. You're a nobody. You don't think you're anybody. You don't think you've got any talent. You mature. You get some skill. God blesses you. His hand's upon you. The human nature is if we do not consciously uh, remain little in our own eyes. We get, built, we get puffed up, we get arrogant, we get self-confident, and we begin to do things our way, not God's way. Why? Because we don't, our way's good. We figure it out now. We got the wisdom, we got the understanding. We don't need to do it. We'll do it this way. In verse 12, he said, thou, hast, thou didst it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. God could bless David as long as he was small in his own eyes, as a sheep herder in the wilderness. But when he became the big king of Israel, that nothing could be withheld from, he utterly failed. Why? He lost his littleness. He lost his littleness. You know, Sin, before it actually is birthed, this process got to take place. This process takes place. Another example, my final example tonight is Solomon. Solomon. 
In verse uh, uh, 1 Kings 3, 7, 8, and 9, it says, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. That is a great attitude. That is an attitude God can use. See, sometimes when we get older, I'm going to speak to you older people. Sometimes when you get older and you notice the evolution of Saul, the evolution of David, the evolution even of Solomon, because you probably know the end of the story before I ever get there, right? Is they got older. They got more mature. They got more exercise in the things of God. They got more confident. And that was their failure. They did not remain little. They did not remain. They did not feel incompetent as they used to feel. They did not feel unable to do it as they used to feel. They did not, they did not feel insufficient as they used to feel, which kept them dependent upon God, which kept them close to God's instructions, which kept them at the feet of Jesus in, in, our, in our case, asking him for help. Help me! I love to hear people tell me door to door. Man, I go door to door. Every time I go door to door, I get nauseous. My hands sweat. I get nervous. I said, oh, oh. I think a lot of times I've told them verbally, but in my heart I always say, this is the one that God's going to use today to come and to lead somebody to Jesus. Whew. I stutter, preacher. I, my thoughts get twisted up. That's beautiful. If you tell me, oh, I'm, I, have, I have good diction, I have good pronunciation, I have good English, I'm able to, uh, 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 I'm able to speak well, I worry about you. Not that God can't use that, but he won't use it if you're not little in your own eyes. You have to be little. You have to be little. He said, listen to what he said. He says, and thy servant is in the midst of this, of, is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen. And this is a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? You may be in a position in life now, you say, I got this thing down. I can do this. Don't do it. You're in danger. You're in danger. You know, you've formed godly habits. You read your Bible through every year. Uh, you do other devotional work. You tithe of everything you have. You go witnessing. You do, you know, you don't cuss anymore. You don't swear anymore. You don't drink anymore. You don't smoke anymore. You are in danger. Of relying upon yourself and not being little in your own eyes. Solomon started out being little. Gradually, in his own eyes, he became the king of Israel, the greatest king that ever reigned. The Bible said there would be no king uh, and had been no king before him as wise or after him as wise. The trouble was he believed the Queen of Sheba. When she said, Woo, I was told how great this thing was. 
but it's not half as good as what I've seen. You don't think that went in? And he said, yeah, yeah. Man, don't accept the flattery as you grow in God and as God begins to bless your hand and bless the works of your hands. Do not accept the flattery of it. Because in the end, the Bible says, no flesh or glory in his presence. Anything that's ever been done through me is to the glory of God, not Bill Lytell. At the end of the whole thing, it will not be Bill Lytell how wonderful he was. It'll be how wonderful Jesus is. How wonderful God did it. That will be the truth of it all. Don't believe those who come up and you want to kill your preacher? Constantly flatter. Yeah, somebody said yes. <laughs> Charlie, where you at, man? <laughs> Constantly tell him how wonderful he is. I, we don't have that problem here at Gospel, but <laughs> because you love me so much. People come up to me and say, God will keep you poor, we'll keep you humble. In 1 Kings 11, 1, it says, But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, woman of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonianites, and Hittites. It came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart from after other gods. You know, when you get old, there's a whole other set of temptations. You got the sins of youth, passion. But you got the sins of old age, arrogance, presumption. And it came to pass that Solomon was old that they turned away his heart from other guys. Boy, when I read about Solomon, I want to weep like a baby. I want to cry like a baby. The man who had everything. Everything. God's blessing poured upon that man like very few people, probably nobody's ever felt. And he went and married a bunch of other women. The Bible said one's supposed to do it again, presumptuously, went ahead and did it because he thought it was okay. He could have anything. And he did it, and they turned his heart. Pretty soon he is sacrificing to he's sacrificing babies. He's sacrificing uh to those foreign false gods. He's blaspheming. Um, and it said in verse 8, And likewise he did for all his strange wives which burn incense and sacrifice unto their gods. He thought he was untouchable. When he first became king, he didn't feel he was able to reign. He couldn't go out or come in without God's help. Now he openly violated that same God that raised him up. Beware tonight, folks, of these three great men that fell to the sin of, if I may say it this way, self-confidence. Have no confidence in the flesh. How do you escape? Well, when people praise you, defer it to God. Keep clear in your mind that you're nothing without God. You, you may be sitting here and you've been successful. Everything you've touched, it's only been because God said so. Oh, no, I'm intelligent. I make good decisions. It's only been because God said so. 
It's only been because God's allowed you to have a mind. It's only been because God's allowed you to have wisdom. It's only been because God's blessed the work of your hands. That's the only reason you've succeeded in anything you do. If you have that clear, it will save you from the horror that these men went through and how they failed. Keep in mind who made you. Keep in mind who keeps you right now. Take steps to humble yourself. Yeah, the Bible says humble yourself. Don't let God humble you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Confess your faults one to another. Be transparent. Pride is secretive. Pride wants people to think of themselves as better than they are. Humility doesn't mind if you if you see faults, if you see errors, if you see troubles. That's why every time you can read about any revival, and we've had a number of revivals going back centuries, down to the Whale Revival and the New England Revival and other revivals that I've read about. I've tried to read every book I can on what happens in revival. And what happens in revival, when the Spirit of God comes, people begin to confess publicly their sins. They begin to confess. They take the cloak of self-righteousness off, and they begin to say, I'm struggling with this. Please help me. Please pray for me. They don't care who talks about them. They don't care if their name's a conversation. They just want to want people to know that they are, this is who I really am. This is what I really am. This is what I'm struggling with. That's what the Bible means, confessing your faults one to another. And what's, what's healthy about that is the humility it brings. That's what's healthy about that. It brings humility. You don't think of, you know, I can, I've confessed, every, I confess stuff to you. Anything the Holy Spirit will move me to confess, I'll confess it. Sometimes he moves me to confess my wife's stuff. Sometimes Moon. Sometimes Chris. I got a list with him. But I mean, the truth is, when, when you're backslidden, is when you don't want people to know you for who you really are. Now, I'm not saying go out there and just, but you know what I'm talking about. When John the Baptist had those boys come down and get baptized in him, he says, uh, the Pharisees who, who, who appeared to be, you know the Pharisees, they appeared to be righteous. They, they were outside. They were whitewashed sepulchers. They were beautiful. They were garnished. But inward, they, Jesus said, you're full of dead men's bones. Uh, they kept everything secret from the public. They wore little bells and phylacteries on their head that they memorized scripture. They had things in their home. And they wanted people to, they wanted people to know that they tied. You remember the story of the guy, the, the, uh, uh, I believe it was Pharisee, that came into the temple, and he said, oh, Lord, thank God I'm not like these other men. I give tithe of everything, you know. And, 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 and then that poor, that poor publican came in, and he didn't have any false idea who he was. He wouldn't even lift his head towards heaven, the Bible says. He beat his chest, and he said, God, be merciful to me. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And Jesus said, that man went to his house justified. But this other guy over here, he still has his sin. God will utterly, let me tell you this, if God will reject Saul, who he chose, if God will reject and punish David and curse his homes and his family for the rest forever, 
and 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 he will do what he did to Solomon. Uh, uh, trust me, he'll do that to you too. He'll humble you because you'll either humble yourself or God will humble you because he will not allow you to have a false idea who you are. I'm little in my own sight. That's the way I want to be. I believe that's a secret to your and my long-term success in Christ is not get so puffed up, not get so professional. God forbid professionalism. Now, there's nothing wrong with being good at what you do, okay? When you get up here and play the organ, it's not you shouldn't be proud of, of hitting the wrong notes. But it does me good to hear you do it once in a while. I always loved it when Tom led singing up here and he forgot the line, didn't you? You know you loved it. Every one of you out here loved it when Tom got up here and couldn't remember where he was on the page after he told you where to be. We love that about you, Tom. I love that. That was some of the best moments in Tom's song leading. It's because it was the, it was the transparency of it all. It was it was that Tom, by the grace of God, was up here leading singing. And, 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 and you know, he, he just was a man that was trying to do the right thing, even in spite of the mistakes and troubles he had. Amen. I always say you love to hear, you love it, you love it when I fail. You've heard me say that for my whole ministry. It's because it, 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 it humbles me, and, and you, you, you appreciate humility. And you reject pride. If I get up here and start telling you how wonderful I am and, and everything, you're going to hate that, and you should. Because God would. It'd be a lie. All I can warn you and tell you and speak to you tonight is based on this example of these three people, stay little, stay little in your own eyes. Father, help us tonight. May the Spirit of God teach us, as only the Holy Spirit can teach us, uh, to stay little in our own eyes. Forgive us for getting puffed up, or somehow exalting ourselves uh, above measure. And I pray, Father, that you would just, uh, you, you listen to our prayers and you hear. The righteous cry, the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their trouble. You hear when we cry. We're crying tonight, asking to remain little all the way to the end. All the way to the end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.